Good morning, my friend. Dr. Lee Warren here with you, and I'm excited to be back with another episode of Mind Change Monday. I am incredibly grateful to be able to share my guest with you today. My friend, Dr. Michael Gillen, he holds three PhDs from Cornell, believe it or not, probably one of the smartest people I've ever encountered. And he has written another unbelievable book, Let Creation Speak, 100 Invitations to Awe and Wonder. This is another one of these home run books that Michael has written. He's been on this show before to talk about his previous book, Believing is Seeing, which I thought was one of the better books I've ever read. And if you are interested in the question of why science and creation work together to generate awe and wonder, or if you've ever wondered if it's really okay for Christians to believe in science, or how can a how can a person who is smart enough to understand science believe in God, Michael Gillen's your guy. He has studied under Carl Sagan at Cornell. He has PhDs in three fields that most of us can't even comprehend. He can easily talk about things like relativity and creativity in the same breath. And Michael just is a breath of fresh air because he's a legit scientist who also loves our Lord. And I just, every time I talk to him, I find myself shaking my head at how smart this guy is and how passionate he is. And we have the great blessing of having two copies of his new book to give away. Katie Dodelay at Tyndale has graciously given us two copies of the book to give away. So send me as always your name, address, and zip code, please. So I don't have to write you back. If you email, we're going to give away two copies. We will randomly select these based on all the people that write in so that we don't have to worry about the time zone that you're in. We want to make sure everybody has an equal opportunity. So please send me your name, address, and zip code if you'd like to be considered for the book. And we're going to get after it. If you want to change your mind about some of the big questions of life, One of the best ways to do that is to let creation speak, and we're going to do that today with our friend, Dr. Michael Gillen. Remember, my friend, as I always tell you, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and Michael Gillen is going to help us get that done. I'm so grateful that he took the time to be with us, and despite my coughing and my sneezing and my runny nose, we got through it, and I think I edited all those out for you, but we are going to have a great talk, and before we get into it, I just have one question for you. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. Are you ready to change your life? Well, this is the place, Self-Brain Surgery School. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and this is where we go deep into how we're wired, take control of our thinking, and find real hope. This is... It's where we learn to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. This is where we leave the past behind and transform our minds. This is where we start today. Are you ready? This is your podcast. This is your place. This is your time, my friend. Let's get after it. Well, friend, we're back, and I'm so excited to bring back my friend, Dr. Michael Gillen, for his second visit to the Brain Surgery Podcast here. Michael, welcome back to the show. Hey, Lee, it's so wonderful to see you, my brother. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for writing another fantastic book. I've been telling people about your books for several years now, and and you've got a doozy of a new one, Let Creation Speak, 100 Invitations to Awe and Wonder. Give give us the 30,000-foot view, Mike, about, about the new book. Well, you know, after Believing a Scene, uh, my previous book, um, uh, Jan Long Harris over at Tyndale 
said, hey, we want a new book from you. And uh, my first reaction was I was really busy because we're launching a new uh, entertainment company, Accelerize Media. Yeah. And I didn't know if I would have the time to do that. But as, as we were talking about it, I said, well, you know what, Jan, I'd love to um, <clears throat> to do a book that, that helps me share some of the things that I've learned about the natural world, about God's creation. Uh, you know, being a scientist for so many decades, I... I have an intimate relationship with the universe. It might sound like a weird way to say things, but it's true. I've lived and breathed my study of the universe for, for many decades, and I wanted to share some of that with, uh, with my readers. And she said, okay, that's fantastic. So I uh, came up with this idea. Um, the, the title is Let Creation Speak! Exclamation mark. Yep. <laughs> and I said it because, you know, we don't want to say, like, Let Creation Speak!, no, it's like each one, of, there, there are 100 essays, right? Each essay is about uh, some special plant or animal or natural phenomenon. And um, really each essay I see as a kind of a direct communication between it and the reader and just saying, let creation itself speak to you so that you can see for yourself that these are not accidents. These are, these are created things. And so... Uh, Every, uh, we have 100 invitations. You can read them in any order you want. You can read them one every day, one every week, whatever you want. My my caution is to the reader, don't binge read it. You're going to be tempted to binge read them because yep. each one is like a, a lace potato chip. You can't just eat one. You're going to eat two or three. But my, my advice is just read one. Let the lesson sink in because each essay uh, is then followed by a little reflection. It's like, okay, if we're talking about, let's say, the... Uh, the Immortal Jellyfish, yeah. um, which is a fascinating story. It's one of my favorites. Then I have a little reflection that says, okay, well, what does this mean to us? Why should you care about the, the Immortal Jellyfish? And then, uh, so I personalize it. I bring it down to earth for people. And then I follow it up with a, a piece of scripture that's appropriate to it. But it's the essay that drives the whole invitation. And so it's something very different. Some people want to compare it to devotional. It's it's. Remember when Seven Up was marketing itself as the Uncola? Yeah. Well, this is kind of like the undevotional. All right. It this is. is not a devotional. I repeat. And Jen was very fearful of that. She said, "Oh my God, people are going to think this is a devotional." It's not. It's a collection of one hundred short essays about creation, so that you can see through the creation and and see behold the Creator Himself. It's beautiful, and I think you could use it as a as a daily devotional if you yeah, wanted you to. Could. Yeah, you could. I look, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of publishing, but I guess devotionals have a bad reputation or something like that, and 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 so forth. But I I don't get it. I just wrote the one hundred essays, and I, I there each one of them is fascinating. And you're right, people could use it as a devotional for sure. Um, they don't have to, and it's also written. You know, not just for the Christian, obviously, because of the biblical scriptures at the end of every uh, invitation, um, it would help if you believed in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. But even if you came to it as a skeptic, you know, as an agnostic or an atheist, you're still going to get that sense of awe and wonder from just reading about some aspect or some element of creation. Um, you could skip reading the Bible verse. I wouldn't. You could just simply say, well, the Bi Bible is a very wise book and take it on that level. So this book is written not just for Christians. It's really written for everybody. And I'll say one more thing about it, Lee, and that is the cover has to be one of the most pretty covers I've ever seen. I love it. Books, right? It's, it's beautiful. The artists have really outdid themselves. So it's it's like a gift book. And I And when they sent me the galleys, 
I said, guys, the cover is just dropped it beautiful. I said, uh, but the inside, you've got to illustrate the inside as well. And so they did. They went the extra mile. Yep. So this is a gift book through and through appropriate for the Christmas season. Get one for yourself. You know, get one for somebody who's feeling a little low in life. Um, this, they, who need to kind of feel a sense of awe and wonder. Maybe they are far from feeling that. Um, and then get one for the holidays, people who I think would just love this book. Um, I'm very proud of this book. I poured my heart and soul into it. I'm very proud of this book. I think you should be. I was listening to it this morning on the treadmill. I, I found myself kind of having little vignettes of it every day as I've gone through the material and just love it. But before we kind of, th- th- there's two stories I want to want to talk about in, inside the book in a little bit. The Fata Morgana um, story and the and the one in a billion story about the bats. I think there's two two great little stories that you could share with us. But let's get the bona fides out on the table for people that aren't familiar with Michael Gillen. I've, I've of course given your bio and then you've been on the show before. But the, tell us about. So you're not a high school biology teacher. Like when, when we say I'm a scientist, I'm a neurosurgeon. I'm not a real scientist in the academic sense. Let, let's just tell people a little bit about your background, Mike, about who you are and why I say that you, Like, if you're going to talk about a legit world-class scientist who has come to faith, let's, let's hear Michael Gillen's background story. Well, thank you for that, Lee. Um, you know, I was born in East L.A., and to some degree, uh, everything I've accomplished in life um, – doesn't remove the fact that I still see myself as that poor little Mexican kid growing up in East L.A. Yeah. With that dream to become a scientist, that was the only thing that drove me. And it got me from uh, East L.A., the audios of East L.A., to UCLA, then Cornell, where I got a threefold Ph.D. in physics, math, and astronomy, and then went on to teach physics at Harvard for about eight years. Yeah. And then that was just the beginning because ABC News then hired me to be their science editor. I was there for 14 years, traveled the planet, North Pole, South Pole, the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, saw the Titanic. In fact, was the first reporter to report from the Titanic. Yeah. Was inducted into the Explorers Club, which is the Explorers Hall of Fame. Um, all these things and then ended up producing a movie, podcast, uh, been on uh, the, the History Channel. Yeah. On and on and on and on. Um but my story, in a nutshell, is in the previous book, Believing a Scene, um, where I really tell my story, uh, becoming from going uh, from being an atheist to becoming a Christian, and I think that for me is the most astonishing part of my life because all during the time I was training myself as a scientist, science was my number one love. It's all I cared about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had, just had no personal life; didn't want one. Uh, God wasn't really on my radar. I wasn't one of those angry atheists. I, God just, it just wasn't, he wasn't on my radar. I didn't yeah. care enough to even look into it. And I was just so fascinated with the universe. And that's why I said a moment ago when when Jan Long Harris over at Tyndale um, uh, asked me for my next book, I, I just wanted to share. I, I've learned so much about the universe at all levels, and not just cosmological, but biological, microscopic, I went into Cornell um, thinking I wanted to train as a as an elementary particle physis, uh, physicist. So you know, oh. studying the tiniest things on the quantum level, uh, experimental. Uh, wanted to be an experimentalist. Changed my mind, became a theorist, and then became fascinated with galaxies. Hence the threefold PhD in physics, math, and astronomy. I don't think it's yeah. ever been done before uh, at Cornell. I was a bit of a problem child at Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't fit in. I 
I, I think the faculty were just tearing their hair out over me because they didn't, what is going on with Gillen? What is he, starts off in particle physics, now he's in astronomy, now he's in the, I literally had three offices on campus. I had an office in the math department, I had an office in the physics department, and I had an office uh, in the astronomy department. I actually had four offices because my <laughs> thesis my thesis advisor was an EE, electrical engineer, and so I ended up having an office in the electric in, in the engineering department as well. I was a pretty weird kid, but anyway. So, <laughs> but all, but but it's prepared me for this, Lee. I mean, it's prepared me to talk with you today, and you know, I have so much respect for you and 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 the books you've written, your latest you. book about hope. Uh, I know we're here to talk about my book, but I, I really want to just say, you know, the experience you had had with Mitch. Um, you know, yeah. I, I have a son who is about Mitch's age. Um, my son is 24. Mitch, yeah. I think, would be, you know, right around there. Maybe He'd be 29, older. yeah. Yeah, but, but in his 20s. And, um, you know, when I first heard your story, I mean, I just, as a father, I... And just, but you offer people hope, and I, I in my own way, I'm not a, I'm not a brain surgeon. I mean, that's pretty awesome in my book. <laughs> uh, but I do try to offer hope, and I, and I do mean, you know, let creation speak. Offers people hope. You know, we live, we live in tumultuous times. Although, you know, people say, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Well, when was the world not coming to an end? That's right. <laughs> I mean, really the world already came to the end, you know, in the Garden of Eden. We're just kind of recapitulating that that terrible story uh, over and over and over and over again. And what I try to do with my, my books, and Let Creation Speak is an example of that, is just provide people with some hope yeah. that you know when you when you read about these different things in in the 100 invitations and each one is fascinating yep um you realize that there is awe and wonder in this world it's not just about death and destruction and darkness and dysfunction which is all you hear about in the headlines these days no it's about beauty it's about design it's about creation it's about awe it's about wonder and so in my you know small way um I try to offer people the same thing you do, Lee. You you offer people who whose lives may have been devastated um, in some way or another. Uh, offer them hope. Yeah. Offer them a future. You know. I always think of Jeremiah, the the passage in Jeremiah that says, you know, I I know the plans I have for you. You know, they're they're plans for good, not for disaster. Yeah. To give you a future and what and hope. hope. It's interesting that of all the things God could have said. To give, to give you a, a future and, you know, all the money you want. Or I'll give you a future in the biggest house you can imagine. Or, you know, whatever. No, he said to give you a future. But a future without hope is bleak. That's right. You know, we have we have a whole generation today, young people. You know, Mitch, how Mitch would have been and my son is right now facing a world that is hopeless. It seems right. hopeless. There's nothing to love about this world. But when in Let Creation Speak, I shine the spotlight. Maybe it's a little insect that carries a forest on its back, or maybe it's a, a galaxy way out there in the, in the universe, or, or maybe it's you know, a mother tree in the middle of a forest. It, whatever it is, I shine a spotlight on, on some aspect of God's beautiful, awesome, wondrous creation. And it cannot help but put a little lift in your, in your step. 
when you read that. That's right. Say, no, right. I don't, I'm not an accident. The world is not an accident. That's there right. is a God, and he has plans for me, and he has plans to give me a future and to give me hope. So this is what this this is what animates me. I know this is what animates you, my brother. Yeah. Apart from what you do in in the operating room, apart from what I do in my scientific stuff, this is what we do to offer people hope. That's amazing, and that's you know it's a it's a perfect segue. In people are feeling this desperation and this hopelessness, and, and a lot of us feel lonely. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's billions of people on the planet. Why would God care about me? Like, what does creation say about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's this wonderful, uh, one of the essays, and I don't know which invitation number it is, but it's about the Mex- Mexita- Mexican free tail bats. Yeah, the bats. Uh, there's a, there is a great, uh, ca- there's a great cave not too far from San Antonio. And actually, when I was at Good Morning America, I actually went down there and filmed it. And, uh, the, what I, I don't want to give the whole invitation away, but the, but the, invi- but the, uh, the, the short essay is about these, uh, these bats. And the most profound thing, and I think what you're driving at, is that there is a time when the males and the females come into the, this cave just outside of San Antonio, and they mate. And then when the, uh, the babies are born, the males just take off. They, they leave behind the females with their babies. So yeah. the, the, the moms and the babies have the cave to themselves. Well, there are literally millions and millions and millions of these babies. And what will happen is that they tend to attach themselves to the ceiling of the cave yeah. where it's warmer, right? And then the moms go off to get food. And this is the amazing part. This is the amazing part. When the moms come back, picture yourself as one, one of these mama bats, okay? You, you now have a mouthful of food, insects that you want to feed to your baby, Right. But there's a cave full of millions and millions of babies. Which one is yours? Yep. And by some remarkable method, uh, each mom is able to find her way specifically to her baby bat to feed wow. her. Now, that's the story. And I could have just left it at that. That's the essay. It's the facts, and th- that's the facts about creation. And it's marvelous and it's awesome and wondrous yep. by itself. But then I have a little reflection after that and said, okay. So what is nature? What is creation and the creator who created this trying to tell us? And in my, the, 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 again, I don't want to give everything away, but in my reflection, I say, well, you know what? You might feel extremely lonely in a world of seven plus billion people. I think, what, we're up to eight billion people now. Yeah. I said, and you might wonder, I know I hear from my son and his girlfriend and his generation, they just, they're the loneliest generation ever. Yeah. And yet they're connected by the internet. And, you know, I'll, I'll have my son say sometimes, I don't know if God cares about me, Dad. You know, I pray and, you know, I, I don't know if he even hears me or cares about me. How do I answer it? I said, Raven, there is a God, son, and he's like that mama bat. And I don't care how many millions or billions of people there are in this world. He knows who you are. He That's knows right. what you need. And he will make a beeline to you and feed you what you need. So that each, this is, and then I followed up in this particular invitation with a piece of scripture. I don't remember which one it was, but the point is, this is this is what the book is made of. A hundred of these little kind of, I don't know, mother's milk, yeah, just yeah. offering you hope that there is a God, and the evidence for Him is all over. You know, I, Lee, I chuckle. <laughs> uh, 
when I hear anyone telling me, oh, I can't believe in God. How can you believe in God? I don't, there's no evidence, especially a lot of my scientific colleagues, there's no evidence for God. They keep saying, yeah. it's like a little mantra. There is no evidence for God. I have studied the universe, all my, and there is no evidence for God. My God, <laughs> take the blinders off, brother, sister. The whole universe is evidence for God. The whole, that's of, right. the whole of the natural world is evidence. And that's what this book is all about. There, you know, I, I love Romans 1.20. I have it here in front of me. For ever since the world was created, not ever since the world happened by accident. No, yeah. it tells us for ever since the world was created, people have seen with their own eyes the earth and the sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his yeah. eternal power, his divine nature. And then the last sentence for me, Lee, is the kicker. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Boom. That's right. So don't tell me there's no evidence for God. The whole of creation is evidence for God. And that's what this book is all about. 100 pieces of evidence that there is a God that none of this is an accident. Wow. <laughs> and I love it. I Amen. Love it. It, I just felt so good when I wrote this book. Don't you feel that way? Absolutely. When you read, write a book, it's like cathartic. It's like God has laid this message in your heart, and you're just agitated, agitated. You can't sleep until you just get it out, get it on paper, share it with the world, and now you feel like, okay, Lord, I have done my part. Thank you for seeing me through this. That's how I feel about this book. I could die tomorrow and feel really good that I wrote this book to share to the world. Uh, you are. And I hope it doesn't fall on blind eyes. It will not. And some people, right? I don't think so. I, I think even, look, when Jan and I over at Tyndale were talking about this, we said, look, we don't want to write, uh, we don't want to write a devotional, number one. We don't want to write a book that's just for Christians, number two, right? This is a book that should be read and understood and appreciated by anybody. Christian, atheist, Muslim, whatever you are, agnostic. And I, I do believe that that's what this book does. It's just, again, uh, shining a spotlight on creation, not so that we just celebrate creation itself, but the mind behind creation, God himself. Wow. Uh, you, you know, Gaylord Nelson was the senior senator from Wisconsin, and when I was at Good Morning America, I had a chance to interview him. I actually went to his house to interview him in Wisconsin. Wow. His wife was the most gracious hostess. She gave us the most beautiful aged Wisconsin cheese I have ever had in my life. Wow. You know, he's a senior senator. He had the best stuff there. But the reason I interviewed him is because he is the father and the founder of Earth Day. Wow. Earth Day, you know, which we celebrate every April. Uh, we celebrate the earth, we celebrate life, the natural world, the, the plants, the animals and all, and that's fantastic. But I think, why don't we have a God day then? Yeah. Because <laughs> let's follow, you know, okay, let's by all means, let's keep Earth Day. Let's not April, maybe the day after or the week after, God day. Because we want to recognize that creation didn't just, why are we celebrating an accident, Lee? That's right. If, if you really believe that the world, the life on earth is an accident, then every Earth Day is just about celebrating an accident. 
Well, wow. you won't see a head-on collision between two cars and stop and just start worshiping the 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 at uh, the accident. You don't just oh, that's most wonderful, beautiful. Look at these two Cadillacs that just hit head-on, and now they're <laughs> they're smashed metal. Isn't that the most beautiful? We have to do everything we can to preserve this accident. No, it's, think about how stupid that is. So every Earth Day, fantastic, keep Earth Day, but let's have a God Day to acknowledge the fact, to acknowledge the evidence, and I give you a hundred pieces of evidence in this book. That creation is not an accident. It was wow. designed and executed by a masterful genius of a God who loves us more than we deserve. Amen. Wow, that's <laughs> the sermon right there. That's, that's it, brother. You drop the mic. I love it. Hey, wow. So, so while I've got you, Michael, yeah. I've been talking a lot on the show lately about this idea from quantum physics and and. I'm going to say it like I'm a fifth grader because that's about how well I understand it. This this idea that that two things can be true at once. You know, an electron can be a wave and a particle at the same time. It can be in two places at the same time. And this idea from physics of retrocausality, right, that something in the future can somehow affect something in the past. Can I I read a study recently and it was done almost as a joke. It was a, it was a satire almost where this guy and it was published in the British Medical Journal this guy took medical charts of people who had been in the hospital for a diagnosis of bloodstream infection, sepsis, and divided them using a random number generator into two groups, age and sex matched. And then he had some people pray over the charts of one group, but not on the other. And then they compared outcomes, like 10 different outcome measures. And the group that had been prayed for had significantly better outcomes in all these different categories, you know, hospitalization, medical medications required all these different things and then he pulled the punchline which was that the patients had actually been discharged from the hospital 10 years before the prayers had happened on behalf of the charts so he was sort of making a joke about scientific research related to something you can't really test but they did it again with cardiac patients and the cardiac patients had the same outcomes the people that got prayed for had better outcomes than the people that didn't even though they had been in the hospital a long time before this event occurred. And the guy who wrote the article that I read said, maybe God's winking on that using the science of retrocausality to prove the point that you should never quit praying. Like, what is that? Does that sound like a joke to you? Does it sound like it's possible with physics that time isn't really what we think it is? Or how does it land on a real physicist? How much time do we have? <laughs> much as you want. No, that that is an awesome question, and, and the short answer is yes. And I think that when you read my uh, my uh, when you read about my journey from atheism to Christianity, yeah. science is actually what brought me to my knees. You know, you'll often hear about people who will get a, a biblical tract, or or you know, have people praying over them for long periods of time, and then they come to Jesus. Well. I came through. I came to Jesus through science, yeah. and it was through things like this. Here, here's here's the short answer to your profound question. Science has discovered that there are ways of communication that we just simply don't understand. Yeah. Um, one of the examples of that is what we call quantum entanglement. Yeah. And the experiments have now been done. So this is not, what I'm about to describe to you is not something that's theoretical. It's actually been established in the lab by a number of people around the world. And basically what you do is you take two quantum entities 
I call them quantum twins. They could be uh, an electron, they could be a photon, whatever. But let's just say you take quantum twins, quantum size entities that are identical, and then you separate them. They're separated at birth, as it were. So one goes off in this direction, and the other one goes off in that direction. And what we've discovered is that uh, these two entities, even though they may be, you know, miles and miles and miles apart, um, and and the experiments we're doing now are increasing the distance, verifying that this this phenomenon keeps going no matter what the distance might be. Yeah, that they're able to communicate with each other instantaneously, faster than the speed of light. Faster than the speed of light. When I say, you know, we we talk about instant messaging. Well, it's not really instant. If I text you, um, the signal has to go through all kinds of circuitry and then wireless uh, uh, devices in order to get to you. So if you really want to be technical about it, instant messaging is not instant at all. Uh, There is a little lapse. Now, it may seem like it's instantaneous, but it isn't. So in physics, we have always... uh, believed that, every, well, ever since 1905 when Einstein published his theory of special relativity, we believe that information travels at the speed of light in a vacuum. That's the fastest in which, that's the fastest speed information can travel. So there will always be a lag time. Right. If I try to communicate with you, Lee, you know, you're up there in Nebraska, I'm here in Texas. So even this conversation we're having, there is actually a lag between your question and my answer. People won't perceive it because it's short, but it's there. Yeah. So getting back to quantum entanglement, the discovery that two entities can, can uh, communicate with each other literally, instantaneously, no lag time whatsoever, defies everything we've ever believed in physics. That's right. In fact, it was so unbelievable that Einstein himself, before he died, called it spooky action at a distance. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it remains that. It is spooky. Because, well, spooky because we don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so when you speak about prayer studies, whether they're meant to be satirical or whether they're meant to be serious-minded, there have been a lot of prayer studies. You yeah. Know, uh, some uh, evidence the res- positive result, others don't. But here, here's the thing. The, when you ask this question, which is the, ultimately the question you need to ask is, is there anything we have learned in physics that disallows prayer to work? No. The answer is no. In other words, prayer, which I believe in because I've experienced it in my own life, uh, is completely consistent with the laws of physics. There's a bigger conclusion to come in in this regard. So that's one big bombshell. The second bombshell is this. You would think, I mean, science, if you think about it, uh, has been at it for more than 2,000 years, because if you, you, you can kind of look, you, you can kind of trace the origins of modern science back to Aristotle. Yeah. Right? In the fourth century BC. He was the first, he's the grandfather of uh, modern science, right? Uh, Newton is kind of considered the father, father of modern science, right? And um, so when you look back, you think, okay, well, They've been at it for more than two. Scientists have been at it for more than two thousand years, and and they've they've trained their very rigorous minds, insisting on purely rational explanations for everything. Yeah. Right. So you'd think by that by now we would have like the most rational world scientific worldview, like 
airtight, super logical worldview. Really. Instead, what we're seeing is that science is now drifting into metaphysics. That's right. In other words, what we're seeing is that science is coming face to face with phenomena like the one I just described, quantum entanglement. It simply can't explain with simple logic. This is not a logical thing. This is what I call translogical. And what and what and when I recount my journey from atheism to Christianity, one of the pivotal moments, as I said, I didn't just fall on my knees and believe in Jesus. It was a gradual thing with me because I'm yeah. kind of hard-headed. I'm a typical hard-headed scientist. I, I, it takes a lot to turn the ship around for me. Right? It takes a lot of evidence, a lot of thinking, a lot of soul searching. And one of the pivotal moments for me in my journey from atheism to Christianity was when my now wife, but then girlfriend at Cornell, challenged me to read the Bible with her. I had no interest in doing it, but I, I did have an interest in spending more time with her. Yep. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't that stupid. I was a nerd, but I wasn't that nerdy And uh, at that point. So um, I just remember reading the New Testament and, and the way Jesus expresses himself like, you know, the first shall be last. In order to live, you have to die. Uh, you know, and it's like... And on the, on the surface, that's not logical. It, you know, Jesus is speaking gibberish, right? Yeah. But not to me, he wasn't. I said, oh, my God, he's speaking the language of modern physics. I love he, that. He, 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 right? He, this man who lived more than 2,000 years is speaking the language of modern physics. And it blew me away because by then I had investigated uh, Buddhism and Confucianism and Islam and Judaism, all the rest of it. And I had never encountered this phenomenon. Buddha doesn't talk like that. No. Nope. Buddha makes sense. He says, you know, just calm down, you know, be peace. Okay, that's fine. That's logical, right? Inner peace, it's important, blah, blah, blah. I'm not making fun of it because I actually learned something very serious from every religion and I'm, I'm enriched by all of that. But Jesus was the first and only uh, religious figure, uh, main religious figure that spoke that way. And so that was That's the right. beginning, really, of my conversion, Lee. So, yes, I, I would say that the, the studies that you cited, the published studies that you cited, um, there is... N- Look, I'll just button it up by like this. There is nothing... Well, let me back up by saying, I remember be, speaking at a college somewhere on the East Coast. It may have been George Mason University. I can't remember for sure. Maybe it was the University of Maryland. I, it was in the East Coast, Northeast. And... Uh, Afterwards, a student came up to me and said, Dr. Gillen, you believe in the whole Bible? Do you believe in the whole Bible? You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, what do you want me to say? No, I believe in here and there. I just want to cherry pick. I said, well, let me answer your question this way, because I know what you're asking me. I understand it's hard for you to believe that a scientist, a hard-nosed scientist, right, a physicist, mathematician, astronomer, can actually believe in the Bible. I know what you're asking, so I'm going to answer it this way. There is nothing in the Bible, I repeat, there is nothing in the Bible that is fundamentally inconsistent with everything in modern physics. Wow. Period. That's it. If there were, I'd be the first one to call it to your attention. Now, uh, I liken it to my marriage, to Laurel. We've been married now for like 32 years. Do we have our disagreements? Yeah, but there, there, there are things like, okay, 
which way do you put the toilet paper roll? So that it rolls out <laughs> this way or under that way? Or there may be more serious disagreements we might have about our raising our son. Maybe she has one idea about how we should react to something our son does or says, and I have a different idea. Yes, but if you ask the question, are we fundamentally aligned? Do we have a fundamentally identical worldview? The answer is yes. Yeah. Well, it's the same with science and Christianity. It's the same with science and the Bible. Yeah, there are differences of opinion. For example, people make a big deal out of the timing. Is, is the earth uh, you know, 6,000 years old or 4 billion years old? It doesn't matter. Time is relative. Time is That's not right. an absolute quantity, right? But if you ask the question, Question. So they, you know, and, it, and unfortunately, Christians are get themselves all tangled up with these superficial disagreements. It's like the disagreement about the toilet paper roll. Yeah. It's superficial, folks. It's superficial. When you ask the question, which is the more important question, and this is how I was answering that kid at the college. When you ask the question, is the scientific worldview fundamentally inconsistent with the biblical worldview? The answer is no. The two are fundamentally the same. Okay? That's right. And, I, and I've written about it in my book, Amazing Truths, How Science and the Bible Agree and Be Believe, Believing is Seen, and even with this Let Creation Speak. There's evidence for that. So, so my reply to you, I, I remember I asked you how much time we have. I'm That's right. editing I love myself. It. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. Yeah, there is no fundamental inconsistency between science and the Bible because if there were, I couldn't be talking to you as an honest person. If they, think about it, Lee, how, how, could I, how could I present myself to you or my readers or my viewers or whatever uh, as a scientist who's also a Christian? Well, Christianity is based on what is spoken about, especially in the New Testament, right? So how could I present myself like that authentically if, there, if I knew, if I knew in my heart of hearts or in my mind, in the back of my mind, I was keeping a lie. I was keeping a secret that there was some fundamental, fundamental seismic difference between the scientific worldview and the biblical worldview. But there isn't. That's right. So I sleep beautifully at night. I wake up beautifully in the morning. I thank God. When I see a rainbow, I don't just see, you know, the promise God made to Noah so, so many years ago, right? I also see the physics behind it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 the diffraction, the reflection, the refraction. I see that. So my science only enhances my biblical worldview. It doesn't destroy my biblical worldview. It doesn't work against my biblical worldview. Everything in this book, the Let Creation Speak, is a perfect example of that. When you just simply say, let's look at elements of creation, whether it's a bug or whether it's an optical illusion or whether it's static electricity or, or it's the, you know, it's some kind of a plant, man-eating plant or something like that, or meat-eating plant. What am I doing? I'm saying to you that God is speaking to us. He is revealing himself to us through his creation. Creation doesn't speak against God. Creation speaks in favor of God. When I say, let creation speak, I think of Job 12, 7 through 9. If you want to learn, if you want to learn, my friend, then go and ask. Ask who? The animals and the birds, the flowers and the fish. And so what is this verse? How does it finish? It says, because any of them, any of them can tell you what the Lord has done. Not what an accident has done, but what the Lord has done. 
And so when That's I say right. let creation speak, it's because I want creation to speak to your mind and to your heart both and to your spirit. That's what this book is all about. Wow. Friend, you got to read it, Let Creation Speak from Dr. Michael Gillen. Also, one of my very favorite podcasters, Science Plus Faith with Dr. G. I love it. Every episode, I learn something from you, Mike. And I mean, I've been around science my whole life, and I still learn from you. So I, I have so much respect for you, and just I'm so grateful that you've written this book. And, and you really landed the plane. So, so we're coming in for the landing here, and, and somebody out there is hurting, and, and they're looking for hope. Like, Give us 30 seconds of hope from Michael Gillen. You know, um, Jesus said to us, in this life, you will have trials and tribulations. He wasn't sugarcoating. That's right. And we certainly know that now. God knows, Lee, you know that. With Mitch, you know that life can deal us the most devastating kind of blow. It just comes out of the nowhere. You know, one moment, you're like the Titanic, and you're floating on, on the ocean, and everything is good, and the sun is coming up, and then the next moment, boom, your life hits an iceberg, yeah. and you're devastated somehow. But then Jesus doesn't finish there. He doesn't just finish with the warning that we will have trials and tribulations. He yeah. says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Yeah. And so I want people out there who are experience a devastation, experiencing a devastation of some kind or another. I don't know what it is, but I've had my own devastating moments. I call them my Titanic moments. Yeah. What I want you to understand is that in this book, I'm not just talking to you about the insects and the birds and the animals and the flowers. What I'm saying to you is through your devastation, Jesus says to you, take heart, I have overcome the world. He not only created a world that is resilient, that comes back from the seeming dead. And there are invitations in here where I talk about that, how areas devastated, for example, by Chernobyl, the Chernobyl nuclear is coming back, roaring back to life. It's because God made a resilient creation. And guess what? He made you resilient. So if you are experiencing some moment of devastation right now, take heart because God made you resilient. And when you read about the resilience in God's creation, you will start to see that awe and wonder and that hope and that future that Jesus promises you. Amen. God bless you, Michael. I I pray his richest blessings on you and your family in this book and how much it's going to help people. Thank you for your time today, brother. Thank you, Lee. God bless you and your family, and happy Thanksgiving uh, to you and the listeners. And to you as well. How encouraging was that? I love Michael Gillen so much. I know you can hear his passion, how much he loves the Lord, how much he loves science, and how beautifully he's able to integrate those two things. Listen, Let Creation Speak is a wonderful—he's adamant that it's not a devotional book, but you can use it that way. Use it as a daily Bible study. Use it as a way to open your eyes to the amazing things that God has done. He tells some unbelievable stories, each one tied to a scripture and a little life lesson at the end. I think it's just powerful and beautiful, and I can't wait for you to read it. Michael Gillen, check out his book. Everywhere books are sold today, it's going to help you, I promise. It's going to make a difference. I hope this episode was encouraging to you. I hope it helped you change your mind about some things. And uh, we even got a little talk in there about retrocausality and Einstein and, and retroactive prayer and all those beautiful things we've been talking about lately. Michael Gillen is the man. When I want to elevate my brain power, I talk to him. He always makes me 
just step up my game a little bit and think about things in a better way. So check my, check out Michael Gillen's incredible new book, Let Creation Speak, here on Mind Change Monday. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. Until next time, we're praying for you. Check out the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. And don't forget, the good news is you can always start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. It's available everywhere books are sold, and I narrated the audiobooks. Hey, the theme music for the show is Get Up by my friend Tommy Walker, available for free at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. They are supplying worship resources for worshipers all over the world to worship the Most High God. And if you're interested in learning more, check out TommyWalkerMinistries.org. If you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, and go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, Self Brain Surgery, every Sunday since 2014, helping people in all 50 states and 60-plus countries around the world. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. Today.